Value Coffee Talk podcast. Hi, I'm April Morley. I'm co-founder of Genius Drive and the Enterprise Value Collective. And I'm Tom Pasello, the ROI guy. This podcast is a service of the Enterprise Value Collective, a community for business value-focused leaders and practitioners, and sponsored by our value consultancy, Genius Drive. And our mission, besides sharing a good cup of coffee with friends, is to help accelerate and optimize the value articulation in each of your customer engagements and throughout your customer lifecycle. And uh, we do have a friend here with us today, Anurag, welcome. Thank you, Tom. Thanks uh, for having me here. Anurag is the Global Head of Value Consulting and Realization at Red Hat and a four times veteran at building out value consulting and advisory teams for the likes of few companies you'll recognize, Salesforce, Adobe, Deloitte Consulting, S&P, and we can go on. Um, Anurag, tell us a little bit about the value program that you're now establishing and running at Red Hat. Sure. Uh, so Red Hat is uh, a well-known name in the open source uh, world. Our history, our lineage was with Enterprise Linux. And uh, as the company grew over the years, as our market uh, portfolio evolved, right, there was a need felt about three years back, four years back, to add a muscle of business value selling to our company's go-to-market operations. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is why I was tapped on uh, to start this program for the company. And we've taken the program from nothing at all, from really starting from scratch as the very first hire, the founder of the program, so to speak, at the company, to now a fully-fledged function, which is not just sales, even though we sit within sales, but our work spans the entire spectrum of the organization across marketing, product, customer success. Every function has changed the way they go to market using a value approach now. So that's been a hallmark of our, our vision for the program since day one was how can we change how a $6 billion company is going to market and put customer value front and center as we do that. Yeah, wow. It seems like you've really covered like the full value life cycle. That sounds sounds great. And and I know that you uh you've been hiring recently. We've seen uh, you know, the opposite trend in the market where we're seeing, you know, layoffs across the board and including value teams. So curious what you're seeing in terms of trends. Yeah, uh, I mean I'm I'm seeing that as well. And it's it's unfortunate that uh some of the value teams have been impacted in organizations. Uh I'm blessed to have had a strong program going here, uh, and uh, we continue to receive uh, sponsorship and investments uh, for the work that uh, we are doing here. How do you assure that you keep getting those investments and the value programs grow, Anurag? What's your secret sauce to assure that? Secret sauce? What kind of <laughs> coffee am I expecting, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, it's... it's uh, Pretty basic stuff as uh, value practitioners, uh, uh, we, we share often, right? Uh, so I, I would say a factor of three aspects that have come together for us. Number one was uh, executive sponsorship top down. Mm -hmm. So even before I took the role, I made it very, very 
a deliberate attempt, made a very deliberate attempt to test for the kind of sponsorship we have in the company. And I was happy with, with what I was told in the hiring process, and it actually translated into reality. And uh, to supplement the executive support, I mean, I could have a champion in the company, but if I'm not performing, even the champion can't help me. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that led to actual grind on deals. That was the big focus early on is to show success bottoms up. Mm-hmm. So we were able to do that on deals and show to the company that this works. It's it's a new way of doing business, but it actually works. Having a technical conversation with a technical user is good and there's a place and time for it. But there's also very much a requirement for having a business value conversation. So I would say that was the second big factor is showing, proving success early. And then that adds more fuel to the fire. And it's the open source way, right? Once once something goes well, it goes viral. And that is the Red Hat culture that we were able to to use. Uh, So that was number two. And number three, which kind of becomes foundational to those is the talent that we, we have on the team. Mm-hmm. So again, I was fortunate to get some really strong hires uh, into the team, and uh, it's a privilege to serve them every day. Uh, so I'd say the work that they do, I'm just uh, you know the 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 orchestrator of sorts, right? I'm their biggest cheerleader. So it is the amalgamation of strong support from top down, making sure it works in from an execution perspective, and then mm-hmm. having talent. I think in in our in our function in our craft the talent piece is often overlooked, mm-hmm. but I have a firm belief that it is the people who make the function. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I'd love to dive into the second one you mentioned, which is around you know showing success for the program, and you know. I think when you want to show success, it's all about how you measure it. So, you know, what is your definition of success and how do you communicate that to the organization? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, April. So we look at it in a couple of different ways. Uh, let's talk about some leading indicators and then some lagging indicators. So leading indicators would be, let's say, field demand and uh, the mm-hmm. kind of uh, uh, requests to support. I'm purely talking about sales now, but our impact, as I said, goes beyond just sales. It goes to other parts of the business as well. Purely from a sales perspective, looking at demand that we get from the field, the kind of traction we're getting with getting to business level users, business owners, right, who, who we want to get to quickly. Uh, and then how does that translate into pipeline generation for us? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what are the kind of impact metrics we have on building pipeline for the company as a whole? And then how does that translate into end revenue for us? So, and a big focus for us has always been incremental impact. We just don't want to be yet another person, yet another team who's claiming credit on a closed yeah. deal or on pipeline that's built. Our focus is to show very clearly what is the incremental impact that we are bringing to the table. Yeah. That's interesting. I would be curious to to dive even um, more into how. So, you know, incremental impact, I think, is something that a lot of leaders uh, aspire to, but it's difficult to measure. So how do you approach that? 
Yeah, it's a classic uh, attribution problem, right? Marketing attribution at times that something that Tom is very, very familiar with. Uh, uh, so for us, we have uh, created uh, mechanisms uh, uh, in our uh, governance process, so to speak, in our deal flow process, where, uh, you know, if, if I'm claiming credit on a particular deal, it's not just me who's talking about it. We have the account executive, we have sales management, we actually ask for what did you actually create on this deal? And mm -hmm. is there a direct correlation between the value work done on the deal and the deal closing, right? So that has to be really, really simple and clear to understand. So we have built that into our governance process. Uh, and uh, you know that, that's how we are able to show that incremental impact and try and make it as less of a, a conversation, but it is you know something that everybody agrees on that yes, business value. If we did not have it on this deal, it would have been taken much longer. The deal size would not have been the size that it closed. Uh, maybe the deal could not even close without taking a value approach. That's so interesting. I've seen um, organizations try to measure it in an automated fashion. You know looking at what was the pipeline at this date and then what was it at that date. And I've just found that the automation doesn't work that well because it's like you said, you really have to ask the team involved who really understands the deal. You know, did they clearly project uh, the real value of the deal on said date or, you know, was it something else? So I think I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I love that you incorporated into the governance process. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's a mix of art and science, much like as a, as a value practitioner, our work is a lot of storytelling. Mm -hmm. It's not just the financial analysis, but also the storytelling. So you could say the same even with respect to impact attribution. Yes, automation helps, but the insights you get from automation, if you're able to layer on top of it an actual people element, uh, I think that that's uh, the cherry on, on top. I completely agree. Those anecdotal information on the wins <clears throat> can be as powerful. And then an executive can't say, well, we could have gotten that some other way, which is what we hear a lot of value leaders being faced with. Talk about who the value engineers are and consultants on your team that are the most successful. Like, what is their background? I, no one's going to school to become a value consultant. So kind of what are the factors to how they got there? What's making them so successful? And if this is almost a message to leaders and what they look for, as well as younger people who are like, hey, this sounds like a great career for me as a next step from being a solutions engineer or being a seller, what guidance you could provide to them as well? Yeah, you actually triggered a thought, Tom. It'll be nice to have a school for value consultants at some point. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, but uh, in my opinion, the the, the value consultants who do really well kind of combine a couple of uh, different characteristics. Uh, number one, in my opinion, is uh, your ability to work almost as a management consultant mm -hmm. where you have a strong sense of empathy and you're listening and you're understanding the customer's business problem first mm -hmm. because that is the, the basics of our trade, right? It's not about our technology. It's not about the product. It's about the customer first. So how much are you able to really use that methodology, right, as a, a management consulting group? 
And then the second part of that is uh, about the you know the storytelling, the financial mm-hmm. aspects of it, the core value engineering skills. Uh, executive presence becomes important as well in that scenario, right? And then number three will be the, the appreciation of sales, B2B sales, understanding technology, right? How that translates. If you're, I don't need somebody who's going to uh, do do code, right? But I do want somebody who's not afraid of technology, but somebody who appreciates technology and quickly can uh, go a couple of levels up from the technical depth and connect the technology to the business uh, level conversation. So the the value consultants who've done well have been people who've been able to combine these three. And then also the people skills in terms of relationship building, that's important mm-hmm. too, because you got to build a relationship with your customer champions because you are creating a business case end of the day that they will be using internally, right? So getting them on the same boat with you, and even a step before that, building relationships with internal sellers, Mm -hmm. because they are your customer number one, right? So a combination of these skills, people who have been able to display these uh, are the ones who have done well. I love that breakdown, Anurag. I'm curious on um, career passing across the organization, you know, I've seen that, you know, maybe sales engineers or customer success managers, AEs might want to look into value consulting as a potential. What's your perspective on how, what that path looks like? Yeah, great question, April. So uh, as I mentioned, one of the success factors for me has been the talent. Uh, And uh, I was mindful about diversity on the team. So even the first hires I made, let's say one of them was an X-value person, right? Mm -hmm. But everybody else came from a different background Mm. because I wanted to build that strong core, the initial uh, core coming from places of of diverse backgrounds. So I had somebody from a procurement background to bring a customer procurement lens to our entire uh, foundations. I hired a a former AE who had been at Red Hat for a number of years to get the, you know, the the tacit knowledge, so to speak, the the company history that that we require, right? The the product knowledge, the basic foundations. So I'd say from a a career pathing perspective, April, there are various paths that could lead to a value role. And then you could also flip that, that a value role is a stepping stone to going out into other paths as well. So in my opinion, you know, especially Tom, you asked about people who are earlier in their careers. I think a, a value role is almost like a, a management rotation program mm-hmm. because you get to experience sales, marketing, different parts of the business, and you can branch out from having done a value role. I've seen very strong value leaders who've gone on to become sales RBPs mm-hmm. who've gone on to become solutions leaders, right? Uh, a few that uh, are actually now CEOs at uh, companies that uh, we often speak about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it is a role that is, uh, in my I mean, I, I love the role. <laughs> and <laughs> I would probably keep doing this for years and years. Uh, it is because of these factors that various roles could converge into a value role. And then this could be your springboard 
to to other paths going forward. Excellent. I'd love to go back to the executive support and kind of take us back to the first dimension of success. Um, talk about that a little bit, how important it was, how you've got, got it in the beginning, and then how you've maintained or grown that across the organization. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's good, in my opinion, to have early sponsorship, especially from people who've maybe seen the program in action before or who believe in the value of it. Because it becomes an, an uphill struggle if you don't have an entry point. So I that's why I tested for that even in the hiring process, right? And uh, once I saw there's enough here that I will get a fair chance to, to show success here. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if, 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 if the program does well, there will be enough people who will be willing to sponsor us was, was what I was testing for. So once I got that initial success internally in the company, getting the wins, uh, I think it became a question of, you know, you've done impact in a particular subset of our business and we like what you've done. Now, if we want you to replicate this success in other parts of the business, let's say within North America, because we started there, we did well on top 50 accounts. So the question became, you've done well in top 50. What about the next 50? How do you attach yourselves and have an impact on the next 50? So we took very, very small baby steps, right? It was, uh, it was not as if we went from one to 35, the team of the 30, 35 that we are right now. It did not happen overnight. We were mindful about you know, setting very strong baselines for us in terms of performance, execution, and uh, we let our work speak for itself. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, those were some of the things that helped us get to step two, which was show our success, but then also spread it uh, across the business, which again helps our sponsors uh, become our amplifiers. And, uh, you know, they, they have enough there. So it becomes a, an infinite loop. So you find sponsors, you make them successful, and then you, know, you, you kind of branch out from there. That, that, that's, that's something we've been doing here. That's really helpful, really helpful insight, insight into really how to communicate across the organization and prove success, you know, build a strong team. So thanks for the insights. I'd be curious on your perspective on what, what the situation where an executive may think they can get by without value. What would be your recommendation? That's a, that's a question that comes up, uh, right? So I'd say uh, if, a, if an executive is of that opinion that you can get by without value, then uh, it's maybe uh, they've not really experienced the true impact of value, right? So you know, showing them some examples, asking them for uh, uh, a chance to prove success, and really going back to the way in which you are reporting impact. Uh, you asked the question earlier, April, on impact measurement tracking becomes really critical in these situations. So I would say drink your own champagne, right, as value practitioners. So whatever you have shown as impact, maybe it's not resonating with the executive. So just reframe the conversation and let's talk about 
what does success mean for that executive? Maybe they're coming from a product background. So deal closure really doesn't matter for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're coming from a product background, let's refine our impact metrics so we are able to show how value can actually amplify their success, right? Let's not think that the traditional uh, value KPIs will be embraced by everybody in the company. I think that is uh, a false assumption to make. That's really insightful, Anurag, and great advice. What is if you had to distill everything down to the one piece of advice, what is that you'd like to leave our enterprise value collective with today? One piece of advice uh, will be, I think, just believe. Believe in the the power of a value approach. If you have a strong belief in the power of a value approach, doors will open for you. You will find champions. You will find the success criteria. But you personally have to believe that this works and value works and value wins. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on the Value Coffee Talk podcast, Anurag. Thank you, April. Thanks, John. Pleasure being here. Absolutely blessed to have you, Anurag. Thank you. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you haven't done so yet, please sign up for the Enterprise Value Collective. You can do that on LinkedIn or on our GeniusDrive.com website to stay in touch on the latest events, tools, and insights. If you like this podcast, hit the like button. Please sign up and subscribe so you get notified on the latest episodes. And until next time, our Enterprise Value Collective, keep sharing and growing together. 